Hey everyone, this is Christmas Andy Benton with the Christmas Andy Show where we get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And, and as I say every day, we've got a great show for you coming up because every artist is great. We've got Lindsay Bowman coming on, and she's done some great things. We're going to hear parts of her story. We're going to laugh together, tell jokes together, whatever. But you know what? We're excited to have her on. Lindsay, are you here? I'm here. Thanks so much for having me. We're glad to have you on. Yes. <clears throat> so, so how are you doing with what's going on right now? You know, I, I always think like to start with just... that to get that out of the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's been a, a strange time for sure, and living in Nashville, it's affected so many of us here with Broadway being closed down. So the mm-hmm. whole and across the country, of mm-hmm. course, you know, with all the live music being closed, but a lot of us who make our living playing here on Broadway and, and touring, it's just been weird, you know, watching um, how we've all kind of had to come together to figure this out and get creative about our live shows on Facebook and Instagram. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, fortunately, like I said, we're all in this together. I know a lot of people say that and it kind of sounds cliche at this point, but it really is true. (laughs) We all you know, work together to figure out how to get through these crazy times till things get back to normal. (laughs) You know, I seen someone post on Facebook the other day, talking about if you're a politician and you say we're all in this together, then lose your paycheck and then we'll be all in this together. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Because we are all in this together, but together at, at different levels. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so as we get started here, um, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and a brief overview of you. Sure. Well, I grew up in Virginia. I grew up on the East Coast um, near the Hampton Roads area and later relocated Mm. to Danville, which is a small town out in the southwestern part of the state. And I'm an only child. I grew up in a music family. My mom was a singer also, so um, she taught me how to sing, and I made my solo debut at my grandmother's church when I was four years old. So um, that's just been my life, and, and because my mom always had music in the house and always sang. We sang together and through church we performed together and we recorded a gospel album together when I was a teenager. It's just something that was always ingrained in me and that I knew was a a passion of mine and something that I needed to follow. So, um, you know, I I went to college, I got my master's degree and did all the things that you're supposed to do, you know, that your parents tell you to do. And then I was like, I need to go. I need to go follow this dream, and so I moved. (laughs) I I left everything behind, and I moved to Nashville in 2011 and have been performing here ever since. You know, good for you about that, because um, I've got friends of mine, and I always like to tell this story somewhere where it seems to fit, and this is part (laughs) I think it seems to fit for this one. Um, I've got friends of mine that are, say, 15 years in their career, and they're miserable, and you sit down with them, you know, and you're like, you know, you've got – and I'm not saying every friend, of course, you know, but there are people that are miserable in their careers. And you sit down with some of them, and you're, you're like, well, you've got this great lifestyle. You've got this great family. Um, you've got this great career. And, and some of them will stop you and say the career is the problem. Like, what do you mean the career is the problem? You went to six years of college for this. And they're like, no, I didn't. They said, I never wanted this career. I was pushed this way from either my parents, from my friends, from guidance counselors. They said, this is where the money's at. They said, they said the passions that I had would never make money, so, they, so I went this way. And now they're miserable. And unfortunately, that is a very common case. And, you know, that's kind of 
not where I, I wasn't miserable by any means, but, um, you know, coming out of college and trying to figure out what's going to pay the bills. But even, mm-hmm. even just this week, mm-hmm. my mom said to me, you're happiest when you're singing. And, and I mm-hmm. am, and that's <laughs> all I've ever wanted to do. That's all I've ever really known. And so to pursue that and make a career out of it, just made sense for me um it was hard yeah. and it still is hard at times mm-hmm. and any i'll tell you and just like you said you know to follow a dream doesn't mean you're going to get paid well but at least you're happy <laughs> and it is a, it's a struggle it, it's a constant struggle you know to live off the tips um mm-hmm. if you just play on broadway or um, once you do start to travel and make a little more money that way you know it is tough it's mm-hmm. a tough industry but when you love what you do you can't consider it work and that's been my, my biggest thing to push with, with my career is that I love it so much that, to me, it doesn't feel like work, so it's okay. I get to play and perform for people every day, and it really doesn't get any better than that. And we totally get where you're coming from because, like, with the whole new yeah. country buzz, you know, we actually originally and, – and we walked away from it for a little while. Um, we originally launched New Country Buzz back in 2014. By 2015, we ran a little over about a year, I say, and we shut things down for personal reasons. But then, you know, but it ate me up inside. You know, we tried to do all kinds of stuff around that, other stuff. It just wasn't working. And every six months, I mean, I, I tried to push the music stuff out way so much that I even let go of the domain New Country Buzz. I mean, I, compl- I was completely trying to push it away. And every six months, Funny me would go to GoDaddy and look up GoDaddy, look up newcountrybuzz.com, still there, still available. <laughs> Nobody's bought it. And finally, about three years in, I told Sandy at the end of 2018, I was like, we got to finish what we started. I was like, I loved doing what we were doing. I felt like I was in a zone when we, when we was doing that. And it, it was just something that I felt like I was called to do. It, I don't know why, but I just feel like I'm supposed to do this. And so we relaunched and built the foundation for that. And last year well end of last year i was like okay now time to take it next level we need to do a show and sandy was like well what would we call it and i said chris and sandy show what else you know we're like bobby bones like ty bentley and she's like she's like but nobody knows who we are personally i was like well we'll figure all that yeah. out you know <laughs> and, yeah. like, and, okay, and here we we'll are <laughs> and here yeah. we are your 94th interview since january 3rd Wow, that's so great. Good for you guys. And we've done 38 interviews in the last 30 days. I just counted that a while ago. You're our 38th interview in the last 30 days. Yes. Wow. <laughs> hey, hard work pays off. So, you know, and like you said, if, if you're loving it, though, that it doesn't even feel like you're working because this is what you're yep. made to do and you feel comfortable mm-hmm. doing it. So why not? Exactly. Absolutely. So, um, who were some of your musical influences growing up? Well, I'm a 90s country girl, and so now, um, you know, getting to sing, I play a lot downtown at AJ's Good Time Bar, Alan Jackson's Bar, and he, they mm-hmm. like for you to do 90s country, since that was, you know, Alan's time, and um, it, yeah. it's perfect for me, because I love Martina, Winona, Reba, Trisha Yearwood, those are some of my, like, biggest inspirations when it comes to music, and they were huge in the 90s those you know powerhouse voices and even today they're still so relevant but getting to perform their songs is mm-hmm. so fun for me because that's what I grew up singing um so I I definitely grew up yeah. with the the 90s country but 
I'm a huge fan of Aretha Franklin and Etta James and Marvin Gaye. I love soul and the old school R&B. So I feel like I have that in my my music, and and you can hear mm-hmm. that when I sing that I do have some soul, and and I carry that with me because I did grow up listening to that also. Um, so I have a, a unique yeah. combination of of the country and the soul, and I think yeah, I have a pretty big cool. voice. <laughs> So as we go a little light here before we really dig deep, um, what are some hobbies you like to do outside of music? I usually go to, I usually do this before the other one, but I was like, oh, I skipped this question here. <laughs> so, like, so what are some? Because a couple questions I like to keep it light a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. So what are um, some hobbies you like to do outside of music? I'm a huge NASCAR fan, and I grew up in oh, wow. racing um, for my whole life, and so that's something mm. that i you know, every week, of course, try to follow it. Obviously, right now, things have been a little different. But for, you Are you know, excited in, for Sunday? In, so excited. I've been like, <laughs> um, we had actually been, we were supposed to go to Talladega, you know, a couple of weeks ago when it was scheduled in mm-hmm. April. Um, but, of course, mm-hmm. not able to do that. And um, I actually had booked a show in June around the Chicagoland race. And then, of course, mm-hmm. they just announced that that's going to be pulled because they're trying to, um, you know, keep them close to Charlotte and driving distance, which I totally understand. But um, there's, yeah. there's been years where we booked a lot of shows just so that I can go to a race, you know, that Sunday after we're done <laughs> performing. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge, huge race fan. I've been, you know, going to races forever. Um, I actually worked in NASCAR for a little while before I moved to oh, wow. Nashville. That was like my first, you know, when I got out of college, I thought, well, maybe this is the career I need. And then, you know, of course, mm-hmm. went on to do music. But um, So I love racing and I love hiking. And this downtime has been awesome because I've been able to really, we're so fortunate that the weather's been so good, you know, while we're all kind of stuck at home, but I've been able to go hiking mm-hmm. almost every day. Um, so that's been oh, wow. been really great for me too. At least you yeah. can social distance with that. <laughs> yes. yes, definitely. <laughs> so, what, what, so what's something quirky? Uh, I don't know. That's an, no one's ever asked me that. <laughs> I, I I feel like a lot of people will kind of admit now that they're like kind of nerdy, but like, I feel like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm much rather, which is funny because I'm an entertainer and I like to be in front of people, uh-huh. but I'm very much love my alone time. And so uh-huh. I would pick staying home, working a puzzle over going out on a Friday night. Like that's just <laughs> where I am in life. And maybe cause I'm getting older, yeah. but um, you know, if yeah. I have a choice, I just kind of want to have my alone time and, and work a puzzle which, you know, most people in their 20s and 30s don't ideally say they want to <laughs> just be home working on <laughs> so maybe But it does make maybe. sense, you know, but it does make sense with, you know, you're always out, of course, pre-COVID, you're always out doing your shows and stuff. So that kind of makes sense. But, like, you know, I go out enough. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm around a lot of people and it's loud, you know, and, and yeah, so I just kind of enjoy being home in, in the quiet. So maybe so that. what drives you? <laughs> what drives me? Yeah, right now. Um, one of my something that I've always told myself is that I don't want to let my parents down. Um, being an only mm-hmm. child, I feel like their biggest concern is if I'm going to be taken care of and if I'm okay. And yeah. you know, I left still in Virginia, and I don't get to see them all that often. So naturally you know, they worry. 
and yeah. I don't want to let them down. I don't want to feel like I've failed them in, in the decisions mm-hmm. that I've made. And so, um, you know, getting my master's degree, I actually finished it online after I moved here while I was touring so much, you know, I'd be performing and have a break during a show and run backstage to have to post on a discussion board or something for school. But I knew that my parents wanted me to have that as a backup plan in case I don't do music the rest of my life. At least I have that. Um, So I feel like a lot of what I do is for them um, because they've done so much for me and provided for me and helped me get to this point. So I really do all I can to make sure they're proud of me. Um, but also proud of myself. I, I want to know that mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I've done all I can and pushed my hardest without going overboard. So, um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about mental health, and I think a lot of people you mm-hmm. know, try not to talk about it. But in the music industry, it's so, for just from what we said, going from, you know, you're on stage in front of a lot of people, and then you come home to nobody, you know, and it's quiet, and you're by yourself. It could be mm-hmm. very lonely. And yeah. I think, you know, pushing and staying motivated for yourself is healthy so that you don't fall into a trap of, of depression or something. Cause you know, we've all been in these low moments and I think that, you know, with our industry, it's just so common. And um, so I, you know, pushing for myself and my health, I try to stay super healthy um, so that I do feel good physically and mentally all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> so what are some moments where when you look back on your career, you're like, wow, I got to do that. Um, I've actually had some really cool moments So I'm not sure if you guys know But I was in a duo for seven years Mm -hmm. Before doing my solo career I played in a band called Smoke and Guns And it was uh, myself Mm -hmm. and another girl So we've traveled from Vegas to Toronto, Canada We've played all over the country um, And we've got to open for some really cool artists And I think, you Mm -hmm. know Without having a record deal of our own getting to play some big stages and being with these big artists, you know, that we look up to are super highlights. Um, We've opened for artists like uh, the Oak Ridge Boys, Mark Wills, um, Daniel Bradbury. And then being a 90s baby, even though it's not country, we got to open for an R&B hip hop band called 112. And they were huge in the 90s and they had a ton of hits. And for us, you know, 90s babies, we grew up hearing them, too. So we're kind of like fangirled when we got to play that show. Um, (laughs) So those are all really cool moments. And we also, I think two of the biggest highlights were singing the national anthem for a St. Louis Blues hockey game, which was Mm -hmm. in their arena for about 17,000 people, which was awesome. Um, And then a couple years ago, we sang God Bless America, at Nissan Stadium here in Nashville for the Music City Bowl. Um, And that was, you know, 40-some thousand people. Trace Atkins (laughs) sang the national anthem after us. So that was those two moments, you know, we've had a ton of highlights, but those two definitely stick out as pinnacles for for me in my career so far. So your first time getting in front of a big crowd, what was that moment like? Well, like I said, I've been singing since I was four, so I've kind of been in front of people for a very long time. Um, and not really, I guess at four, I didn't really know which way was up, so it didn't really bother me. <laughs> yeah. but, um, I, I did pageants for a long time growing up and um, got to be in front of big crowds, you know, as a teenager and in my early 20s. And I think that just got me used to being yeah. in front of people. Um you know, in performing in Nashville and, and the different venues across the country, 
I still get nervous. There are all always mm-hmm. moments that you know I can never just walk on stage and it's it's okay because <laughs> I don't know what these people are thinking and if they're you know judging me or like just because I'm a mm-hmm. female is it hard you know to gain their attention. Um, I remember when we did perform for the blues and, and did the national anthem. As soon as we got done. Alicia, the girl that I sing with, we both were like, oh, my gosh, my legs were shaking nonstop. I hope you can't see that in the oh, video. Wow. <laughs> we were just so nervous. <laughs> um, so it's just something, like, especially with the national anthem, that's the one song you cannot mm. mess up because everybody yeah, knows. Yeah, you mess that up, the, the country hates you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, anyway, that's super, super nerve-wracking, and you want to make sure you do it right. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, I still, I still get the butterflies, but it's just something about being on stage and having a microphone in my hand, I'm mm-hmm. I'm used to it, and that's where I'm comfortable. It's my security blanket. <laughs> and, and you know, I remember a friend of mine who was a public speaker, and he spoke in front of tens of thousands of people at a time. And I asked him one time, does he still get nervous? And he's done it for years. He says, the day I don't have at least some butterflies is the day I quit, because that means that passion is gone to him. And because yeah, and he thinks because you you've got a responsibility whether you're singing whether you're speaking to that audience, and if you don't get yeah. nervous, then he said that he feels that you've lost that passion at that point. I, I think that's a hundred percent accurate because if you get up there and you feel like you don't care anymore, it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. how you sound or what you say, mm-hmm. then it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to come through in your speech or in your song, and people will see that. So, yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. And, you know, I remember back um, about 15 years ago, talking about being nervous, um, I learned a few lessons about what not to do when you're about to speak. (laughs) One is don't change your speech the day of the speech. (laughs) Uh, Lesson learned. Another lesson, don't make the first time you ever speak in front of the crowd to be 300 people. That's a big no-no. <laughs> I remember I, I had everything written out, notes. I was called up, and it was only a five-minute thing. So it wasn't like this was 20, 30, 40, five minutes. I was like, I can get through five minutes. I get up there. <clears throat> well, I can't even see my paper. It's shaking. <laughs> I th- then I think, okay, no big deal. They have a podium. I can put it there, and I'll, I can at least still see it. Problem, and I'm a short guy, but the podium only came to my waist. I said, okay, well, that's not going to be. <laughs> so I figured I know what I'm going to say anyway. I'll just wing it. Problem. <laughs> I open my mouth and nothing comes out. Nothing. <laughs> it, I, don't, I was like, what is going on here? Nothing was coming out. And Sandy was on the front row, and she, she's like, she was scared to death for me because she, oh. said, that she, there's not, she said there was nothing I could do. Uh, yeah, she wanted to help so bad, but and I'm in front of right. 300 professionals. We're talking young professionals as a, as a yeah. young professionals thing, and and all I could think about was I have to get through this. I knew if I walked off without making it through it, I'd probably never speak, never do anything that has to do with speaking ever again. I knew right. that. I was like, this this was a defining moment. <laughs> um, I think about a minute in. I said the first thing that came to my mind. All these people had to suffer for that minute. You know, I mean, me trying to, I mean, I literally was like, I mean, it was like, I was like freaking. And about a minute in, I don't know if this was God nudging me or what, 
But I just took a deep breath and says, okay, if y'all get nothing else out of this, at least you get a good laugh. Everybody laughed, and I nailed the rest of it. But that was a defining moment. So do you have any defining moments that really define where you could have took a different path, but you chose music? Um, you know, I don't know that there's one specific moment. Um, just many moments. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things that, you know, I'm, I'm a religious person, and so I believe that mm-hmm. everything happens for a reason, and I'm on the right mm-hmm. path that I'm supposed to be yeah. on no matter what the outcome is, whether I get a record dealer, I play the Grand Ole Opry or not, I know that I'm doing this for a reason. And there's been moments where I've played, you know, and and I may walk into the show and I'm having a bad day. You know, we've all had Mm -hmm. moments where we just, we don't want to go to work. We don't want to be a people person. Unfortunately, as an entertainer, you've got to turn that off. You know, and because those people don't care if you're having a bad day or you're not. You're gonna love you where to I'm. Forward. You're gonna love where I'm about to go. <laughs> well, so I, I had one lady I remember specifically playing at a bar downtown, and mm-hmm. I sang um, something. I I can't remember exactly what the song was, and she came up to me, and she said, "That specific song always brings me to tears. I <laughs> lost my son to cancer yeah. a year ago." And hearing that song it just reminds me so much of him, and it takes me back. And this is the first time I've been out in public since all that happened. It had been a year, and she mm. was like, but oh, hearing wow. you perform that song <clears throat> reminded me that it's all going to be okay. And I lost it. I mean, we both just bawled together right there. She was standing at the oh, bottom wow. of the stage. I'm on stage crying. <laughs> but it was that moment that I'm like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, Those are the exactly. reasons that I what I do and I've had a lot Mm -hmm. of moments like that you know that are Mm -hmm. just little reminders of you know you may be having a tough day but so was that lady and if you hadn't gotten up here and done that she may not have made it through this day as easily you know so there's just a lot of things that pop up like that that remind me that I'm where I'm supposed to be and and that's a perfect lead-in to where I was going next because you know a lot of shows they talk about all the highs well, we go the other way too. I always like to what they call. I say I'll, I like to flip the script here, and we go the <laughs> other way. Well, we talk about the struggles, the sacrifices, because I think a lot of people don't understand the realness, the rawness that an artist has to go through to to even break even in in life, much less be a Blake Shelton or something, you know. Um, and so I'm gonna tell a story that will help lead us in there. We interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steel Girls back in 2014, when they were full-time with music. And question, one of the questions I asked Allison was, what advice would you give an up-and-coming artist? And she said, coming from, an, coming from someone full-time, this may sound funny, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, go do that. Because she goes, once you go full-time, or even try to make it a career, she goes, it may be your passion, but it's now your job. She goes, she, she went on, to, like you just said, she went on to say that you could have the worst day today, but if you've got a gig tonight, to get on that stage, you've got to smile like you're the happiest person out there because they don't care. The family has to sacrifice. Even though her and her daughter were the front people of the band, she goes, our whole family had to sacrifice to get us where we are. She goes, there's so much struggle, so, so many issues we have to go through as an artist. She goes, but if your heart will not allow you to do anything outside of music, then go all in because that's the only 
sacrifices will be, will be worth it to you. What do you think of what she said? And let's go there a little bit. I, I agree. I, you know, I did go full time with music. Um, when I moved here, I didn't have anything lined up. When I moved to Nashville, I didn't have a job. I didn't know where I was going to sing. I, I knew one person in, in this entire city. Um, so I, it was very intimidating, but I forced myself to meet people and, you know, try to sit in with bands mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, and I also got a job as a part-time title clerk at a Harley dealership, which was really great. But it gave me, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was working like a regular job during the day and then going to play at mm-hmm. night. So I was looking forward yeah. to, to that. Um, out, after about two years, we took off. Um, with our touring and we were traveling so much that I had to quit my job because I was having to ask off Mm -hmm. left and right. And I didn't feel that was fair. (laughs) Um, So we did music full time. And after, I I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was probably like a year or two in, I Mm -hmm. I did lose my passion for it. And I took off. I, I mean, I was to the point where I didn't even enjoy coming downtown and wanting to play because it mm-hmm. had turned into a job. And, you know, mm-hmm. like you were saying earlier, the moment you lose your passion, it does become a job, and then you don't want to do it anymore. And I was at that point, and my band was struggling, you know, because they are showing up for me every night, and I just wasn't in it. And mm-hmm. I took off a month. I made a decision, yeah. like, for my health and my well-being that I needed to walk away for a little bit. And if I, yeah. at the end of my journey... I, I took a solo vacation. It was my first solo trip ever, and I um, mm-hmm. traveled to some places all up and down the East Coast that I wanted oh, to wow. go. And I told myself at the end of that, if I did not miss singing while I was gone, then I should walk away and I can move <laughs> home or do something yeah. else. But my hope was that, that that passion would come back, and it did. And I knew that while I was gone, you know, I just needed a break because I had become yeah. so – just wrapped up in it and the, the drama of not necessarily drama, I guess that's not a good word, but I guess just the hardships of being a a full-time musician, you know, not when you're a Blake Shelton or, you know, a huge artist, when you're still playing for tips and trying to make it, it was hard. And, you know, they say if it was easy, everyone would do it. And that's why, you know, you see so many people come in and out of the town and they call it a 10 year town for that very reason. Because the ones who make it are the ones that stick it out. Yeah, and, and it's it's tough. And so I got back in it, and since then I've had a part-time job, um, whether it's at mm-hmm. a restaurant or my current job. I am a lobbyist in the Tennessee General Assembly. It's something completely different, you know. So it yeah. it gives me that break to where, like, I feel like I have this world, but then I look mm-hmm. forward to my shows and writing and playing and performing, you know, and, and that passion is still there. Yeah. And, of course, when the financial side really comes, then it helps, too, because the burden of try, of wondering where your next dollar is coming from can put a strain on you. It absolutely does. I, it's, and, you know, we have – fortunately, Nashville has grown a lot in its tourism <laughs> over the last couple of years um, because of its popularity. But, you know, in the first couple of years I lived here, when you have off-season – off season is hard, you know, because there's nobody. Mm-hmm. Tourists aren't coming down here when it's cold. They don't want to come hang out on Broadway, you know. It's, it's not, it's not yeah. a thing. So you don't get any tips. There's no money to be made. There's very little money. Um, 
you know, now it's it's a little better. And because the Preds have been good, you know, we've got people coming in for hockey and football and stuff and mm-hmm. um, all the events that are at, at the arena. So it's gotten better. But, but there were definitely some times where it, it, it and still it can get very difficult. Yeah, and when Allison was talking about being all in, I think some people think that means going full time. But I don't think being all in necessarily means full time. It just means that that you're doing everything outside of that so you can do that. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, like for me in the last year and a half that I've been doing my solo thing, I have Mm -hmm. focused more on writing and all the side, all the pieces that come along with performing because I guess like you're Mm -hmm. saying, not just walking on stage, but all of the stuff that, makes you, I guess, quote unquote, all in when you're writing and doing your business plan and running your website and your social media, like you have to be doing that actively all the time to to make it seem worthwhile, I guess, if that makes sense. And and ain't it crazy? I mean, you know, 10, 20 years ago, you didn't have to worry about none of that. And as an independent (laughs) artist, now, now it's like, if you want any type of traction, you've got to have a social media following and it's, and the labels, they've gotten smart. They no longer really put money into early artists. They don't need to. They, right. they they let because if you don't have a following, you ain't getting. You could you could have a better voice than Carrie Underwood, and that's tough to do. And they still not <laughs> signing you if you don't have a yeah. following. <laughs> it's it's true, and you know I hear that all the time, and you know so I guess there's some truth to it. But even like on Spotify, you put your own mm-hmm. music out there, and you could only have a couple hundred streams or a thousand streams. And they look at that like, you know, well, we need you to have a million streams. And it's like, well, how do I do that on my own? You know, it's, it's a very tough, a lot of work. tough business. And, yeah. You know, that's tough. like, like, like we had some, I had somebody reach out to me. I forget. It was one of the big labels. <laughs> of course, I don't want to say a name, but they reached out <laughs> to me privately. And, and, and the guy was telling me, he got, he said, we've got a duo and we've got a male artist. We're looking for that special female artist. So he, he so he said if you if you have any female artists that you come in contact with because he knew we come in contact with a bunch of people if they have and he said if they have 15,000 YouTube subscribers I would like to be connected. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking so my cuz I didn't realize how tough YouTube is. I'm thinking, yeah. "Oh, I've got that cuz cuz I've got I've got friends of mine that have 100,000 fans on Facebook." So I thought, "Okay, I know I got this." So I'm going through my fans, my friends, and I go to there check out their YouTube. They're like, "Oh, nope, five thousand. Up, oh, nope, three thousand. Up, oh, nope, seven thousand. I'm like, "My God, fifteen thousand YouTube subscribers is apparently a really lot." <laughs> it, it's hard. I, I even had I had someone tell me that um, you know I couldn't be considered to sing the national anthem at like a big major league baseball game because I don't have over ten thousand Instagram followers. And I'm like, that's really oh, well. what it's about? Like, I thought that it was just because I can say Like, you know, so it's, it's interesting, you know, like you said, 10 years ago, that's not mm. a thing. Like, you could send a demo yep. tape, and here we go. But now that's what they're looking at. It's crazy. Yep. Because it's like I always tell people, social media is one of them double-edged swords. It's easier yeah. to get noticed now than ever before, but it's harder to get traction than ever before. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's very true. And, and, that, and that's one of them double-edged swords where – and I think the reason that is is because now everybody, whether they're good or bad, I mean, I've got I've seen people that have some of the worst voices I've ever heard that have three thousand fans, and I'm sitting there <laughs> like, um, okay, there's the problem. 
Anybody can do right it. Now. Yep, and right now with you know that's all we have because there's no mm-hmm. live performances and venues right now. I mean, social media is just flooded with performances yep. and cover videos and stuff. And like you said, it's easy to get on there and get noticed, you know, get some people to follow, but it's hard to get a big following because there's just so much. Mm-hmm. Because I think people, especially Facebook, I think a lot of people are really Facebooked out almost now. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, but this is a great time. We're going to take a little quick break, play a little small commercial, and then we're going to come back and play your song. How's that sound? And then we're going to talk about that. That's great. Awesome. So stay in line. Okay. Hey, everyone. (laughs) We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. I know you've seen that picture I took With my hair done right and looking so damn good You're wondering where I'm going now tonight when you were mine, you never checked your phone Now you're blowing me up to see where I've gone And if I'm throwing back whiskey or sipping wine It's a little too late, I ain't giving you
really great song. Oh, yes. Great song. We love it. Oh, thank you. So tell us the story behind that one. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's a true story. <laughs> but I think that's one, of the, that's one of the coolest things about songwriting, you know, is that they uh-huh. do always come from, most of the time they come from personal experiences. And um, mm-hmm. I had actually, I wrote that song with Liz Ann Hill, and I had written with her before, and so she kind of knew I was going through a tough time with the guy that I was dating. And um, when I got back to write with her again, she asked how things were, and, and we had since broken up. And I told her, mm-hmm. you know, we'd been broken up, and he was still reaching out like guys do, you know, and they want to <laughs> check in and see how things are going and who you're with and what you're doing. And I finally got to the point that I was frustrated with it, and I was like, you don't get to know these things anymore. This isn't, like, we're not together, mm-hmm. so you don't get to know. And then I was like, huh, I need to write that down. So when I told her that in the session, she was like, oh, oh, that's good. And so she started, like, typing away. And by the time I finished telling her, you know, the situation, she was like, okay, mm-hmm. what do you think about this? And she had already dived, like, just went right into the song. And I was like, oh, wow. all right, let's go with it. And we ended up writing it in less than two hours. It just, it just came so easily because it was real. You know, it was things, every line is, like, something that I had said to him, you know, or something that we had mm-hmm. talked about. So uh, it just it just worked. It was so easy to write, and it was sassy, which, you know, was what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted something that, like, my girlfriends would listen to. And yeah. since I've released it, that's, that's been so cool to see, like, my friends texting <laughs> me and that they've, they're playing it and they're jamming out to it. So, so it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and that's something we love <laughs> about songwriters is, is, you know, you have to be vulnerable because basically – if you're a songwriter, your story is going into your song. And if people around you don't like that, they can just not be around you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, if, you know, it's, it's hard to date because you're, you're going to get a song written about you <laughs> before too long. That's why Taylor Swift and Adele have great music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that Taylor, I was like, yep, Taylor Swift is bigger than that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, it is kind of like a therapy session. You go in and you get to talk mm-hmm. to somebody about it, and then you write about it, and you feel mm-hmm. better. And um, I actually, my <laughs> next single that's coming out is called Love Me Like You Used To, and it's a mm-hmm. slow kind of like it was the pre-written before all of this and when, you know, things were starting to go bad and you can just tell and you're like, man, I wish you loved me like you used to. Um, but I had someone mm-hmm. ask me, you know, how do you, when you perform a song like that, does it still – do you think about like what it was written about? Like, does it affect you when you're performing it? Um, and I think in the beginning it did because it was still really new, but now yeah. I look at it as, well, it can help somebody else and someone else is relating to and, it and maybe they can feel empowered or they can get better from And that shows you whatever. healed from it. Right. And, you know, so then I, I know that I'm, I'm healed, I'm over it, and then hopefully someone else can, can be too. Because that, that's the part I think people don't get. Um, when when you go through pain, God always has a purpose for that pain. Yeah. It's never to hold it in. Every t- you know, When you look at how, what heals people out there, it's always something that, that somebody else goes through, and then they look at it like, wow, I'm not alone. Right. Absolutely. Like with Absolutely. Sandy has a story about high school on that. <clears throat> oh, yes, yes. I, I was bullied a lot in junior high and high school and and music, what, 
helped me take my mind off of things during that rough time period and was very healing to me at the time. That's what that's what music can do for you, you know, and whether it's something like that and um, or a breakup or even here in Nashville, mm-hmm. we had the tornadoes in March. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we, we're called Music City for a reason, but just knowing <laughs> yeah. that, um, you know, when such a devastating thing happened to our community, all mm-hmm. of the artists and musicians and people here put on benefit concerts. They came together to perform yep. and do things because they, they know, too, that music does heal, and it helps you get through <clears throat> those tough times. Um, you know, yep. and that's why I just love I love what I do. I love knowing that that's, that's something that can help other people, you know, as well as myself. And that's, that's something I've noticed because Nashville is definitely different from any other city. In fact, we're next year planning on moving to Nashville because mm-hmm. oh, wow. what we're doing, we kind of feel like we need to be there. And I remember mm-hmm. before the tornadoes, what really showed me what, what Nashville is about. <laughs> and, again, tornadoes really showed me when I, when I seen everybody come together. But before the tornadoes, when we were thinking about this, um, creating this podcast, um, I remember reaching out on Facebook. And, I was, and we were in Savannah, so I was really looking for local people in Savannah. And I asked out there, um, any of my fr- friends have an extra cast mic that they'd like to get rid of to me. I'd love to get it. And, of course, I'm thinking Savannah. A friend of mine from Nashville private messaged me, says, I've got one. What's your address? And I'll mail it to you. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he awesome. did. And, and again, mm-hmm. that, 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 that was what showed me, it showed me the power of the Nashville community. I mean, I've always known that because I've got a lot of friends in Nashville now. So I've always kind of known that. But that was one of my real first experiences. And, of course, some people might think that's small. But to me, that was big. That, that oh, was sure. just big. He didn't, you know, to me. And then not too long after that, of course, the tornadoes come by. And then you really watch the people step up and help each other out through all that. And I was like, you know, we need to be there. That's where we're supposed to be, and we know that. <laughs> it's a great, great mm-hmm. community. I, I remember hearing you know, people that had been sent in from different companies, corporations to help with the cleanup and the uh, power lines and stuff. And they said, we just got to the site and all the work is already done from all the volunteers. Like everything's already clean. There's nothing for us to do because everyone had already come in. And I know a group of us, we did the same thing one, one Saturday, I guess the Saturday after we tried to go help and volunteer and they had to turn people away because they had so many people and they were like, you know, there's some other places like, too, but it was amazing just to see. I mean, yeah. people didn't have to do that, you know. But we just care about our neighbors so much, you know, that that's what everybody in <laughs> in Nashville does. Yeah, that and that is awesome, and, and I love the whole family aspect and community. And so that's why one thing I like to do on the show is I like to add, um, you know, a lot of people they hear you as the artist, but they don't they don't hear about the PR company. They don't hear about managers. They don't hear about producers. They don't hear about anything. They just see you, or they see Blake, or they. But as, as you know, there's a team to to do what you do. So tell us a little bit about your team around you. Give them some props so that you know, <laughs> so that people can know. Look, it's not just you. It's them plus you. Definitely, it takes a team. It takes a lot of people to to get things. You know, of course, I'm not on the level of. If- somebody like Carrie Underwood who probably has a thousand people working for her, but um, you know, it, it, it does take 
you know, first and foremost, I have my band and I have a pretty steady band, you know, and, and you mentioned that earlier too, like of them being affected in different ways, but they don't mm-hmm. always, you know, drummer and the bass player, they don't always get noticed on stage. Nobody, you know, thinks to care about them, but I, I couldn't, I literally couldn't perform without my band. You know, they, they mm-hmm. stick by me. They do. Um, we're actually doing a Facebook live later today. Um, just, you know, none of us are working and we've all been really careful about, you know, our social distancing, but we still get together mm-hmm. every couple of weeks and try to put on a show just to keep the music alive. So they're super yeah. important. Um, my producer for my two singles was Kent Wells and he's worked with Dolly, which, you know, I knew I was in good hands at that point. He's worked with a lot of great artists. Mm -hmm. Um, But that took a whole team of other musicians and engineers and and then him, you know, letting, I had to go into the studio however many times and he's working with other artists and and working day and Mm -hmm. night to get everything ready for all of us. Um, And then Mark, my publicist at PLA, you know, having a, a company like that who helps get your interviews and get you um, online online presence and TV stations mm-hmm. nearby. I mean, those are all things that, you know, maybe I could do on my own, but it's definitely a lot easier when you have somebody helping you out. <laughs> True. <laughs> so it does. It just takes a lot of people. Um, and then, like, my mom. My mom does so much for me as far as, like, mm-hmm. she'll book shows for me, too, Um I don't currently still have a booking agent, but I did in my duo. So there was another Mm -hmm. piece, you know, someone else who contacts the venues and and gets you in places that you've never been before. Um, So, yeah, it really, it takes a village. (laughs) So tell us a mom, tell us a story where your mom went above and beyond, and I'm sure there's many, but one that maybe stands (laughs) out, a story where your mom went above and beyond and you're like, wow, she really gets it. My mom my mom is everything. She's my best friend. Um, I mean, she's helped me. My mom and dad both have helped me so much to get me where I am. Um, but my mom, as a younger adult, always wanted to perform and be in Nashville. And times were different back mm-hmm. then. And financially, she just couldn't. She was one of three children of a single mother. Her dad passed away when she was really young. So there wasn't a way for her to to do this, to come you know, follow mm-hmm. her dream. And when I decided that I wanted to do it, there was no hesitation. You know, she just knew if I can give you this opportunity, I'm going to let you do it. Um, So Mm -hmm. since then, she's been here. She comes to Nashville as many times as she can. But um, one of my favorite things is getting her up on stage when she's here. And my mom will get up and sing with me and she'll sing a couple songs by herself and then She's the first one to run out on the street and tell everyone, my daughter's in here playing. Y'all need to come come in this venue. And she's just like my biggest fan. And I think, you know, I'm sure all moms are that way with their kids, but watching my mom Mm -hmm. be so proud of me being on stage and what I'm doing every time that she's here, you know, she's no shame. She'll walk outside with my poster and like, you know, run up and down the street and go to AJ's or go to this bar and, then she'll walk around my tip jar, you know, so she has no problem. I mean, that's just, mm-hmm. she'll do, she'll bend over backwards to do those kinds of things oh, wow. just to promote me. And it's always been like and that. And, you know, um, and we love stories like that because next week we're actually launching a new, another podcast. This one will be weekly, not daily, but a podcast called Behind the Artist where we bring on parents or family members behind the artist that help make them oh, who they are. So that oh, yes, we're so excited about that. <laughs> yeah, to, you That's know, fun. You know, 
because they could probably tell stories that you probably would never tell and <laughs> and you know so you know we we just came up with the idea and so far everybody we've told has loved the idea so we're going to see how it works we got our first guest already booked for next thursday awesome that. mm-hmm. no that'll be I'll, I'll keep a lookout for that that'll be a really cool thing yeah because it's, it's fun to see like i get super excited when i can take my mom um, so mm-hmm. the Josie Music Awards are an independent award mm-hmm. show that come up every yeah. year. And I'm friends with Josie. Are you? Well, so I got yeah. my first um, three nominations this past year. Um, it was my first time going oh, wow. to that award show. And I've always said I wanted to take my parents to an award show. Like, that's a dream of mine, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's mm-hmm. whatever. And so this was my first experience getting to do that. And I took my parents. It was actually held oh, wow. in Gatlinburg. Um, at Dollywood, and we got to take mm-hmm. I got to take my parents and walk the red carpet and take all the pictures, um, you know, and just kind of like mm-hmm. pay them back for you know, look, this is kind of paying off. And I ended up winning the Fans Choice Award that night, which oh, was wow. super cool, you know. And it just made me feel good that like I could include my parents and like let them be a part of something like that. So yeah, yeah that's always um, just getting them like the recognition and getting to be a part of my my career and my future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. we this is the point where I always like to bring our little eight-year-old. I say that, I always say that we've got, we're a family affair <laughs> um, because, <laughs> and we got an eight-year-old that we bring on. He always asks one question. And then when our one-year-old daughter gets on, I mean, gets older, we'll plug her into the show too because we are a family affair. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're not professional. We just like to do things different than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So she's going to get him on. His name is Christopher. All right. Here he is. Here's Christopher. Hi, Nancy. What's your favorite food? Oh, my favorite food is hands down pizza. I'm so glad you asked me that question. (laughs) I love pizza. Um, I just had some last night, and I go so far as I have a pizza onesie. I have pizza Chuck Taylor Converse tennis shoes. I have pizza earrings and all the T-shirts you can imagine. So I will eat pizza all day, every day. (laughs) (laughs) And what's yours, though, Chris? Pizza. Yours is, too? (laughs) All right. We'll have to have some pizza together sometime. (laughs) My pepperoni. (laughs) Pepperoni is my favorite, too. Okay, bye. (laughs) Okay, bye. He comes and goes. (laughs) He's, I love he's that. He's been on yeah. almost every episode. That's yes, very cool. He loves to be a part of it. <laughs> every now and then, where someone has to cut out early or or the things not going exactly like I want it, he's not on. But for the most part, he's he. I think he, there's only been about three or four episodes out of ninety four now that mm-hmm. he's that he's been on. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, what is your songwriting process like? I mean, do you have the melody in mind? Do you have song in mind, lyrics? What what goes through your mind when you're thinking about a song? It's a little bit of all of that. I um I don't play guitar well enough to come up with a whole song like just out of that. Um, I play piano mm-hmm. and I actually just picked up the ukulele, but I don't play enough huh. to do that. So for me, it comes from um, like I mentioned with you don't get to know. It's just, it's usually a line or something that I have said or mm-hmm. has come up in conversation, and then I can start building around that. 
Um, and then when I can get with somebody who does play or if I come up with a melody on my own, then I'll take it to somebody who plays guitar and then mm-hmm. kind of hum it to them or, you know, this is what I was thinking. What do you think? And then mm-hmm. it kind of goes from there. Sure. So speaking of co-writing, if you could co-write with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and what would you want to write about? Oh, um, I would probably choose Dolly because she that would be awesome. watching. <laughs> she's, she's incredible anyway. I mean, she's Dolly, but I <laughs> love seeing her in interviews talk about her songwriting because she likes to, she mm. says that first and foremost, she's a songwriter and she loves to write good songs and relatable things. And there's been a lot of stuff on lately about her different documentaries and I've, I've gotten to see more of her and it's really intrigued me into that side of her and like where mm-hmm. she comes up with the ideas and the things that she she writes about and I feel like she's got a lot of stories to tell and I think I've yes, got a lot does. of stories to tell and I just feel like <laughs> writing someone like that would be incredible. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. So what song of yours means the most that you've written and why? Hmm. Well, I've written quite a few lately, um, and they all kind of mean something different. So I don't know that mm-hmm. one is specifically more important than the sure. other. Um, you know, I write – I don't like to write sad songs. I don't like to sing sad songs. So <laughs> I feel like a lot of the songs that I've written are the fun, upbeat, party mm-hmm. kind of songs. Yeah. Um, you know, so if we're looking at that, then they're they're all just fun and girl power kind mm-hmm. of thing. But yeah. my new single that I'm going to be releasing, Love Me Like You Used To, I just feel is um, it's I, it connects a lot, I feel like. And, and I mm-hmm. know that a lot of people have been in that same position. So I feel like mm-hmm. that's a such a meaningful one. It means a lot to me um, from where it came from. So <clears throat> if, if, if I had to go into, like, the depth of what a song really means, that one's probably it. <laughs> oh, wow. That's really cool. Now, I'm about to ask a question, and I'm going to ask it. I have a purpose for the way I'm asking this, and I'll tell you what I mean after, the, after I ask it. But if you had a magic wand, and what you're about to say would 100% come true, where do you want to be in five years? And the reason I ask it that way is I want an artist to open up. I want the vision, because this past February made the five-year anniversary that we asked that exact same question to Kelsey Ballerini. And her exact words that she told us is what she's living right now. And I want artists to realize that five years, a lot can happen, especially sure. once you build a base like you, like you have. Um, so, so in five years, if all bets were off and, what you're, and it would come true, where do you want to be in five years? In five years, I would love to have had a couple songs on the radio and be able to perform – at the Grand Ole Opry. I think That'd my awesome. biggest goal is when I moved to Nashville, my two biggest goals were to play the Grand Ole Opry and to play Bridgestone Arena because that's our, mm-hmm. you know, our big arena here. Um, and, you know, I think that when you, <laughs> if you speak something out into the universe that maybe, maybe now it's there and maybe it'll come true. Um, but, you know, we mentioned earlier that this is a 10-year town, and I've been here eight, and I've done a lot of really great there things. Um, but, but I'm finally at the point where I'm meeting a lot of the right people. I'm getting 
mm-hmm. where I need to be. I'm writing my own music, releasing my songs. Um, so, you know, maybe in a couple years and in five years, I'll be at that point where my songs will be out. Maybe I'll have an album. Maybe I'll be on a big tour and hopefully making a debut at the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> let's say you had a friend of yours um, and um, that that you heard sing, and he or she, don't matter which way it goes, but he or she um, got on stage. They, they've, they haven't done a whole lot. They've played maybe 10 or 20 shows. Now, this would be pre-COVID advice, of course. Um, let's say they've played 10 or 20 shows, but they've gotten on that stage and they've looked out, seen the fans, fans cheering for them. They got what every artist says they get, that stage bug where there's no other feeling like it. They come to you and they say, Lindsay, I've got the bug. I feel like I'm supposed to do this with the rest of my life. What advice would you give that specific person? And let's say that you heard them sing and they're pretty good and you, and you can tell that they have something special. So what advice would you give that specific person to help guide them the next two, three, four years? I think a lot of people want to be in Nashville. You know, if the things that you're doing are actually performing and songwriting or, you know, even in your case, like you said, doing your interviews and your podcast, you you need to be where the action is. So if that's a feasible move, I say come here, meet as many people as you can in the music industry Bust your tail, singing, taking gigs where you can, and learning, not necessarily for the money, but the experience of learning how to handle mm-hmm. a crowd, how to be on stage, what it's like to travel in a van with five or six other people, you know, and doing all of the, the dirty road stuff, you know, getting into it that way, really getting your hands dirty, because that yeah. makes you understand all aspects of it. And I think if you mm-hmm. can just engulf yourself in it and write, write your own music. I wish Mm. I had been writing way earlier than I did. That's something that um, I would, I would definitely give advice is to, to write because one of the most frequently asked questions I get is, well, do you have your own music? And, Mm -hmm. you know, do you have your own original songs that you can sing? And if you can't say yes, then Mm -hmm. you kind of get like a, Oh, okay. Well, you're just a cover band. I love to play covers as much as the next person, but having your own music means so much. So coming here yeah. and just diving in, being in the atmosphere, and then writing your own music are the biggest pieces of advice I can give. And like we talked about earlier, don't lose your passion for it. Mm-hmm. Just doing yeah. it as much as you can, but without losing that passion. Mm-hmm. And I love that, that answer. As we get to our last question here, what is a question – that you wish hosts like us would ask, but they kind of never do? Gosh, I don't know. I feel like you guys have covered so much. Uh, and, you know, we like to hear that. We love yeah. to hear that. I, I was going to say, I don't, I've done a lot of interviews, and I'm not really sure that I've, there's anything that I can think of that you haven't asked. Um, man, yeah, that's a tough one. you got to stump me on the last question. <laughs> <laughs> and we, and like I said, you know, the, the go- that question we've actually built our show around. Like, what's funny is I remember probably 50 episodes back, where when we asked that question to, to whoever, to one of the girls, she was like, "I just wish they, somebody would ask me what's quirky about me." That's where that came from. We <laughs> Sandy, we're like, "Oh, we like that one." <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that's a good one. We've had some interesting and, answers to that one. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you covered as far as, like, what do you do outside of music? What's your writing process like? What are your hobbies? What's your family like? Gosh, if I think of anything, I'll have to let you guys know. But I think you did a great <laughs> job, and you covered it all. <laughs> well, oh, well, you know what? You I did think of one. I have been asked this question before. What's your most embarrassing moment on stage? Or have you had an embarrassing moment in a show? And and what's funny is one of my questions I normally ask is what's the craziest thing that happened on stage? So I kind of do ask that, but so what is your most embarrassing moment? Mm -hmm. It kind of goes with it. I like it worded that that way, though. I may instead of asking what's what's the craziest thing, I may have to ask it that way. Yeah, because that could be like mm-hmm. someone asking you to sign their chest or like a fan, but an embarrassing moment, like for me, I am always really cautious of my wardrobe that I'm wearing on stage mm-hmm. because I sing with my hands up and, you know, running around and stuff. Um, but I had a button-up shirt on one day performing and made some big crazy arm movement, and those top two buttons just popped right off, and I had oh, to wow. quickly turn around and my poor bass player, because I'm, like, right in front of him, because I don't want the whole stage to, or the whole crowd to see anything. And then he's like, oh, God, what do I do? Don't, I can't look at you. Should I help? Like, I put him in such an awkward position. But it was just, fortunately, you know, those, like, bandeau tops that you wear, like, underneath. That's what I had on. So it wasn't super, mm-hmm. super bad, but still really embarrassing when you're, you know, so, a well. female. But yeah. to come undone. <laughs> So wardrobe malfunctions <laughs> are always. <laughs> so, as as we end here, tell everybody how they can reach you. Sure, I'm, I have my website lindsaybowman.com. I have a YouTube channel. You can just search Lindsay Bowman, and I have Facebook is Lindsay Bowman Music, and I have Instagram and Twitter. My handles are I am Lindsay Lee L E I G H, but that's on on my Facebook and my website as well, so you can find it. All over, and then my music is on iTunes and Spotify and Pandora and Google Play and all the digital outlets. You know, we really enjoyed having you on today. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate y'all having me. And we look and we look forward to having you back down the road. Yeah, I would love that. Mm -hmm. Well, you have a blessed day, and we look forward to seeing where you go in this crazy music world. Thank you, thank you so much. Y'all have a wonderful day too. Right, oh, bye. 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 Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed the show today. Um, be sure to look Lindsay up. She's really awesome. She's got some great work. She, you know, go support all these indie artists that we bring on. Um, we're taking two days off, so we're we're. I need a break. As she was saying, gotta have balance. And I've been doing shows every single day for probably thirty, forty days now, and some two a day. So we're taking this weekend off, and we're going to go two hours away and go spend some time in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, So, again, we will see you all on Monday for another new show, another great artist. See you then.